Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Mike Boone, better known as Toronto Mike. He is the Canadian godfather of podcasting and wears two professional hats. As the owner of Toronto Mike Digital Services, he produces a wide variety of interesting podcasts under the TMDS network label. He also has hosted his own podcast for over a decade and recently celebrated his 1,000th episode. The Toronto Mike podcast is regularly ranked in the top 30 in its category on Apple Podcasts. Finally, it is Mike's turn to be on the other side of the microphone with a chance to share his favorite Toronto stories and memories. Welcome, Mike, to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me. I'm not going to ask where you are as you are right in front of me as we record from the sumptuous worldwide headquarters of Toronto Mike Digital Services, but I will ask, how are you? I'm good, buddy. This is exciting. I don't think I ever guest on another person's podcast when they're in my studio in person. Like, this is a very rare event, and hearing that intro, you know what it made me think of? Did you ever listen to the late, great Gilbert Gottfried's podcast? I, I, I did, actually. Okay, Infamously or infamously, I don't know which one, but he would do these really long. I don't think he scripted them, but he read them wonderfully. But he would do these very long intros for his guests. Like they would go on and on. And I felt like for a moment, like I was guesting on Gilbert's podcast. Like that was fantastic. Well, I don't want to bring us down too much, but it brought up a, a bugaboo. My wife and I both share all immediately after someone passes away. There's a tremendous things everyone said about him. Yeah. And, and wouldn't it have been nice for that person to hear these things when they were alive? And I don't know how we flip the script on that, but it's, it's a shame that he didn't hear all this great stuff about him. I'm with you. Like, yeah, we all, you know, he praises on these unsung heroes when they die, but while they're alive, uh, nothing. Although I will say I was praising Gilbert even when he was alive. So he had my support. He was definitely controversial, <laughs> but uh, he did it his way. Fearless. Like, you know, I loved the fact that he would go there when no one dared to go there. It must have cost him a fortune, but like, I know what you're referring to. You're referring to like 9 11 jokes after 9 11 or tsunami jokes right after the tsunami. Like, these are like third rails, and he didn't give a rat's ass. Do you, do you, you get to swear on Toronto Legends? Or yeah, no? yeah, absolutely. You can <laughs> speak freely. I want you to be yourself. He would tap that third rail and wouldn't give a damn. Fearless. But but let's get back to you, Mike. This is a huge year for you. Talk about your 1,000th episode of the podcast and your recent mainstream media coverage. You were both on CBC Radio and a huge piece in Canada's biggest newspaper, the Toronto Ooh. Star. Listen, uh, this just reveals what a sham it all is, okay? <laughs> let, me, let me give it the real talk, okay? So I've been doing what I'm doing right now with you, essentially, for 10 years. Uh, over, and, and then 10 years of basically you know, doing my homework which you do as well. I will talk a bit more about that later. But doing my homework, trying to produce compelling content with basically a show I would want to listen to. Mm -hmm. Like this is, I've been doing it for 10 years. And then all because I numbered my episodes. Like this was something I did since episode one. My brother, Steve, who loves my show, thank you, Steve, uh, <laughs> told me around episode, I don't know, 150 or something, that it was amateur hour that I was still numbering them. Like, it's time to lose the numbers. And I'm like, no, I need the numbers. Like, I need them for internal tracking. I need them to reference other things. You know, if Mike Wilner comes over five times, I got to talk. There's a difference between episode 825 and episode 949, whatever. I love the numbers. And then as I was approaching episode 1000, People were like, Mike, what are you going to do for episode 1,000? Like, it was like all this like pressure I don't need. Okay, I got four yeah. kids. I got a lot going on. I don't need this extra pressure. What's episode 1,000? Also, my friend, 
I drop them as I record them. So it's like orchestrating some special episode 1000 was a serious pain in the butt. So this is a long-winded answer to a short question to say, I decided to go big or go home on episode 1000. And I invited former guests and listeners to submit audio. And I would just play the audio and then react. And I would string it all together. And by the end of it all, episode 1000 of Toronto Mike was five hours and 40 minutes, which is insane. My wife said, nobody's going to listen. I think at least a couple of people did. But because I had this big 1,000 episode, suddenly I was getting emails from producers of Here and Now with Jill Deacon on CBC. And mm-hmm. they're like, would you come on and talk about episode 1,000? Full disclosure, Jill Deacon is one of the guests of Toronto Mike, So she was familiar with this basement, which we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> but then next then there's somebody uh, writing. Jill LeBlanc writes this wonderful piece for the Toronto Star. It's a two-page spread, five-color photos or four-color photos. I have a copy right here. And this all happens in like the span of a week. And suddenly there's like, oh, wow, this guy's doing some amazing stuff. And all these people are discovering what's been going down for 10 years. So I'm just here to say like, I've always been here. I want to do like an LL Cool J rhyme, you know, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. But it took a round number and an insanely long, ridiculous episode that nobody wants to listen to to get attention of the mainstream media. You were no overnight success. <laughs> you, you worked at it. You worked at your craft. Mike, I want to go all the way back to the beginning, capture your origin story. Where were you born? And please describe your upbringing. Oh, I was born here in Toronto at uh, St. Joe's in uh, Parkdale. St. Joe's. Yeah, you know, typical middle class, uh, upper middle class. I don't know what, I don't know how to gauge these things anymore, but, you know, we didn't go to bed hungry. And, uh, you know, I went, went to the, through the Catholic school system. Okay. So, uh, Michael Power High School. Yes. Then I went to U of T. And then I got a job. And then I worked at different jobs doing uh, digital marketing for software, com- B2B software companies. And then in about, I don't know, 2018. I decided to make a go of it on my own and every penny I earn now is through my own digital services company, TMDS. Now you warned me you were going to try and take over and you, you certainly tried to jump a few pegs there. I'm going to take you back. <laughs> when you finished Michael Power, you went to the University of Toronto. What right. campus were you on and what, what, what uh, area of studies did you do? Uh, St. Mike's College was my campus, although I, at U of T, it didn't matter. Like, downtown was downtown, and there's like five campuses down there, I guess. Like, there was no, other than where your guidance counselor was headquartered and who got your, your registrar, like, which registrar got your money. Like, to me, there was no difference because everybody could take anything they wanted at mm-hmm. U of T. So, like, Victoria or New College or Innis or what else? Trinity. Did I name them all? And St. Mike's. Like I went to St. Mike's just because I think I was in this Catholic system and it just like, I had to pick one. Mm-hmm. So I just picked the Catholic one. <laughs> like no reason. Anyway, uh, St. Mike's college. And I ended up with a honors BA, a double major in English and history, English and history. <laughs> and, and, and coming out of school, what year did you graduate? Uh, 98. And when you came out, you were uh, unsure of your next move or did you know exactly what you wanted to do? No, no, I never knew what I wanted to do. Uh, And it turns out everything I ended up doing didn't exist when I was in university. Mm -hmm. Like it was all new stuff that didn't exist. But uh, I had no idea. I just knew I needed something to do after high school. So I got a piece of paper. I uh, paid for it all by working in a grocery store. Which one? Shout out to Food City, which by the way. (laughs) Still exists? No, I think they converted them to Sobeys, I want to say. And okay. uh, 
yeah, but we converted that food city into a price chopper. Okay. And the price choppers seem to all be fresh coes now. So I think they got rid of that label too. But I was working for Oshawa Foods mm-hmm. and then they were gobbled up shortly after I left. I think they were gobbled up by Sobeys and maybe Wallet was there. I don't know. I was there five years. But so I ended up uh, paying for the whole thing. Like when I look back, my, my oldest is in university now. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the fact he's, he's like, coming with like a hat he comes every a few months like dad i have another installment can i you please wire me this many dollars or whatever like i just didn't even think on that level i just completely uh covered it all with my, i guess you could back then with my grocery store money so but so yeah so double major didn't know what i wanted to do i ended up working for a telecom reseller in mississauga i started the day after my last exam and then i was literally like just a copywriter like writing for the marketing team and then slowly but surely this internet thing was starting to show its real muscle and i was intrigued by the back end of this internet and i started to learn html and css Uh, actually at the time there was no css but bottom line is i was in a good position to become a digital marketing manager you you learned all these uh, skills self-taught or there was no youtube of course all self-taught, except I did take, uh, I got my work to pay for a HTML 101 at Humber College. So this is like, I think, 98, I want to say. Mm. I'm at Humber College by the, the Woodbine, the racetrack there. And uh, yeah, taking HTML 101, which is literally like, here's it, open up notepad, and here's tags, and you have to close them, and it has to be well-formed like this. And then the project at the end of the year was like, you had to build a website and present it. And I built a tribute to Pearl Jam Oh, wow. And I got 98% at, uh, in this HTML 101 class at Humber College. And really, it just gave, that gave me what I would say, it gave me like the base, the foundation to then experiment in the sandbox of the internet and self-teach everything else ever since, including what I now do every day. Well, we're going we're gonna to break your empire into its three major components. We've got the blog. We've this got is the- intensive, by the way. May I say, I'm used to asking the questions around here. Yeah. This is intense. Well, I, I know you're, that's why I knew you were going to enjoy it. you do it. your homework? So. Well, we're going to find out. The, your three okay. components are the blog, the podcast, and the, the digital services. So let's start with oh, wow. tr- torontomike.com, the blog. Right. Now, this predates the podcast by about 10 years. Wow. You started this, while, <laughs> started this <laughs> while working as a digital marketing manager. Why did you start this blog? And was it totally like your, your side passion? 100% for, well, two reasons, I guess. It's not 100%. 50%. Okay. So <laughs> I needed a place to test like cause and effect. So basically particularly with regards to search engines. Like, okay, if I do this, the search engine will react this way and index this text and then rank you there. Like, I needed a sandbox Mm -hmm. before I brought it to the B2B, you know, uh, software companies I was working for. I needed to do, like, a cause and effect trial and error playground. So I built torontomike.com so I could do cause and effect. And for a long time, I was hand-coding everything because I enjoyed hand-coding HTML and CSS. At some point, I introduced a CMS uh, because for the bloggy parts, can't hard, hard hand-code all that. Long story short is uh, I learned a lot through torontomike.com through the years, like a lot about uh, you know the web and SEO and search marketing. And then the other part was I was a natural-born, uh, like I would say I had scrapbooks. I should pull out a crate like I for the drive of 85 the blue jays Mm. i kept a scrapbook which i still have and i was always journaling and archiving stuff like a natural born archivist and sort of aware of everything around me and trying to collect these stories and these 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 cutouts of the toronto star whatnot so the blog which torontomike.com was a personal homepage that evolved into a blog in 2002 
like it was a natural format to to do what I was doing already, which I would write something. Like I might write about, I don't know, Doug Gilmore, this, that, the other. I'll write a thing because mm-hmm. I was always a good writer and I enjoyed doing that. And then I would erase it and write something else, okay, mm-hmm. if you can imagine. And then it would disappear. Mm. But with a blog, permalinks, you could actually do the same thing, except it would live forever and get indexed by Google for all eternity. So people today will visit something I wrote 15 years ago because they'll find it via Google because mm-hmm. they'll be searching, I don't know, Mark Daly, whatever, and then they'll end up on torontomike.com. But you know what helped you? If, you? if you had that mindset today, you'd be scared that someone could find something you wrote 15 years ago. Whereas at the time, <laughs> right. you, you were happy to have it kind of down on paper let me ask you a tough question yeah did you did you care whether anyone read your blog or were you really doing it for yourself or oh, what, what was your end no, in mind? no i mean nobody was reading the blog i uh, i did not care in fact even the podcast which that starts over but about 10 years ago i didn't care in the beginning if anyone listened to the podcast that mm. so that one a bit more scary but absolutely did it because of you know love for the game like pure passion like i did it because i was passionate about it the fact that people would eventually read the blog or listen to the podcast a mild surprise and then that sort of you, you kind of pivot when that happens but absolutely not the purpose of either to be quite honest so you've got torontomike.com the blog and then 10 years later you start the podcast when did you start and how did you make this decision this is uh it's interesting because just before you arrived here at the tmds studio which i do want to like record your reaction to this space because you've seen it so many times via Zoom and now it's your first visit, but we'll get back to that, I'm sure. But I, this morning, was on Humble and Fred's show because I produced the Humble and Fred podcast. Mm-hmm. And it really all started with them because uh, I was friendly with Humble and Fred in 2011 and I had already, you know, pro- digitally produced, technically produced Humble and Fred podcasts, but they wanted to do it regularly and make a living out of it. And we're going back now to like, October 2011, I'd say. Okay. So I basically was their technical back-end guy. Like I, uh, the, I designed the infrastructure and the, the mechanism by which they could produce content and syndicated content every single day, and then they could monetize that. And I was so close to the show uh, in this role almost like a like I was like my child or something. Mm-hmm. And then I would watch them. They'd have somebody interesting on. Let's just pick on somebody randomly. I don't know. Let's say John Tory dropped by, Okay. okay. At the time, I guess he was in radio, whatever. So John Tory would drop by and I would see, you know, Humble and Fred would have John Tory and they could ask him anything and produce whatever content. And I would say, hey, like I have different kind of questions for John. And it, to me, it would be I would make it a bit more about John, maybe and a bit less about Humble and Fred. But of course, you know, I'm nobody and they're Humble and Fred. But okay. I realized that uh, the only way to see if I could do this, like leave my comfort zone and talk into a microphone and have these conversations with interesting people would be to do it. So I basically did 19 episodes in the Humble and Fred studio. Okay. In uh, starting in August, 2012. And then I realized I wanted to make a serious go of this. And I knew I needed to like uh, own the means of distribution and get my own studio built. So basically these mics that we're talking into right now, I bought them and used them for episode 20 mm. of Toronto Mike, and I think I just recorded episode 1033. Well, that's quite a bit of foresight because uh, most people are risk averse, and who would invest? I don't know if you remembered how much you spent. Yeah, originally. I had a conversation because we were not we were we were pretty. I don't know honestly, we weren't poor because it's all relative. We were rich in the world, but uh, <laughs> we. I remember saying, okay. Because I, I talked to my uh, audio guru friend, Andrew Stokely, who actually does the audio for Blue Jays games on Sportsnet. 
he's a big deal in the audio world. And I said, hey, I want to sound good. Like I want to. I don't want to sound like some guy in his basement. I want to sound like it's just like the BBC or something. I want yeah. it to sound big leagues. I said, what do I need to get that kind of broadcast sound? And he and it wasn't this board I'm pointing to because it didn't exist yet. But he basically told me you need it. You need this. You need. I recommend these kind of microphones. And he, you know, you need the cabling. And he kind of he kind of like drew a little blueprint. And then I went to an audio guy, an audio dealer, and I said, hey, you know, give me some of these. Uh, these particular road microphones mm-hmm. and then get these cables and then get the board and then it's all trial and error. And next thing you know, you got a professional sounding uh, audio operation and you just got to figure out what to say into the mic. You jumped right in. Now, what did your what did your wife have to say about... Oh, did you? I ever drop the number? No, I didn't. Okay, so we sat down and I just said to her, I think it was around like Christmas 2011 or uh, no, maybe 2012 because I did 19 episodes at Humble and Fred Studio. And I just said, hey, I'm thinking of spending $1,600 on some gear. Mm. Like I already had the, the laptop, which is the most expensive part probably. But I said it was $1,600 because I was going to get you know two mics, two stands, two cables, and then this uh, Pro Mackie ProFX uh, board. And it all was about $1,600 in total. And then it was like a serious discussion. And I already knew I was going to do it, but I wanted to like get buy-in. Like it was a, you know, we were going to talk about it because that seemed like a fair thing to do. It's a a partnership. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But when I buy these bikes that are behind you, like I don't actually consult her on that. Like I just come (laughs) home with a new bike. But anyway, we talked about it and I told her what I wanted to do. And she said, you know, I love you. Go ahead. And I spent $1,600, and it was the best $1,600 I've ever spent. Can we, uh, I, I think it's appropriate to give a shout out to your wife. Can you, uh, look, seriously, if she had get that, her? She's two floors up Well, right now. at that point, if she had said, you know what, this is not really a great use of the money, you know, it could have ended right there. So a little support right there. Oh, and, I guess that's true. But then then I would say, you know, I would say, babe, I'm not saying $16,000. <laughs> I'd be like, I said $1,600. I feel like that's a number where, yeah, it's a significant number you need to talk yeah. about. But if we're... And maybe I'm wrong here, but if you're six in an investment like that of sixteen hundred, it felt very reasonable to me. But yeah, she was very supportive. She supported you. And then the thing was, I had to find space in the home to build a studio. And at the time, I had two kids, but uh, we together had zero. And there was a room up in the second floor, and I uh, like built the studio in there. And then uh, very shortly thereafter, uh, she was expecting little Jarvis and I was booted like this is now the nursery or whatever. And I couldn't find any space because my oldest, sorry, I think I moved the camera on you and I'm going to fix that now. But I, uh, my oldest was sleeping around the corner. Mm -hmm. So there was no room. And that's where I would, now I'm curious about your uh, thoughts on this. What uh, did you think of the studio when you came down for the first time? Yeah, I, w- I, w- I was shocked, but only because not it's a great studio, but uh, it, the way it appeared to me was vast and, <laughs> and well-lit. And uh, now that I've come into it, I, uh, I don't mean this in a bad way. It's a fantastic use of space. Real and, talk. And, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's quite a bit different, and I'm glad you warned me not to bump my head. Well, that's why I put the sticker. You uh, check your head sticker over there. But oh, by the way, we are we do have at least some someone commenting on our live stream. So hello to Cambrio, who I know uh, celebrated a birthday yesterday. So Cambrio says hello. He's watching us right now. Okay, welcome on the Cambrio. pirate stream. Is your wife on the pirate stream? We're gonna find out. I don't know how Vicky so, would tell you she's watching. Well, well you but... have to set up a login and post, but oh, maybe okay. she could text you. And yeah, say she's listening. good idea. Vicky, her name is. Okay. Yeah, Vicky. Vicky, text your husband if you can. <laughs> Hear us live as I speak at ten, sorry, eleven ten a.m. 
on April 14th, 2022. Now, Mike, that's the second time you've tried to take over. I'm getting us right back to the script. There were two things you skipped over. What? Uh, and that was you, you jumped from you were kind of doing your blog and, and self-teaching yourself. And then suddenly you are building the the skeleton for the Humble and Fred podcast right. and providing all the tech skills. Right. So I watched skip- them do their thing. And then I realized I could do this. And then I started to just do it. But sorry, are you saying they knew how to podcast before? Because that's a different set of skills no, well, than doing a they're blog. They're broadcasters, right? They were radio veterans. So they knew about what to say into a microphone to produce the content. What they did not know was the technical side. Mm-hmm. So they, I was the technical part. Humble and Fred were com- the content part. I decided in, uh, I think it was, uh, who knows what, I know it was August 2012 of the first episode, but at some point before that. I'm actually going to clarify that for you. It's yeah. September 4th, 2012 so was your first episode. Here's the deal. I see that that's the day it was published, but I also see that I recorded that on August 28th, 2012. So this is, I guess, so yes, because <laughs> when I dropped episode 1000, Jeff Lumby recorded this great intro and talked about September 4th. And I was like, wait, it's August 28th. And that's the discrepancy there. So I guess I needed to line up some ducks over here before episode one dropped. Nowadays, it would take 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I dropped episode one on September 4. But I recorded it with my dear friend Rosie at the Humble and Friends Studios on August 28, mm-hmm. 2012. And, and now that we're in 1,033 episodes, do you have any idea how many unique guests that represents? I, okay, so the VP of sales, Tyler Campbell, recently did a spreadsheet where we found out this number and it is approximately 600. Wow. Incredible. So 600, 600 unique, unique guests. Okay. Yeah. Now, Mike, in your world, there are many acronyms and terminology. <laughs> so what are FOTM? What does that mean? FOTM is a friend of Toronto mike And there's two ways to be an FOTM. One is to appear on the podcast. So all these 600 people who have appeared on my podcast, from Chuck D to Ron McLean, they're FOTMs. Now, the other way to get it is that you could just be a listener who engages. Maybe you, uh, you, you, you engage... Be- through email or Twitter, or maybe you, you come to our live events. We've had eight live events called TMLXs. I'm sure you're going to run through all the alphabet stuff. But FOTMs, Friends of Toronto Mike. What are micumentaries? This is kind of a new thing I've been doing with the aforementioned VP of sales, uh, Tyler Campbell. So certain, you know, if you do enough podcasts, certain themes continue to pop up. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, what, what, for example, whenever I have somebody on like a Gord Stellick or somebody who covered the Leafs in the 80s, uh, Ken Daniels, whatever, I need to ask about our pal Hal. I need to talk about Harold Ballard because mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by Harold Ballard and this, this character that I grew up with. He dies in 1990. So, I mean, I was a teenager when he passes away. I was well aware of Harold Ballard and King Clancy in the... Uh, in the, what was that room called? Yeah, that was in the bunker. Bunker. That's the word I'm looking for, right? So... Uh, I was fascinated by this guy. Oh, Rick Five, too, is another guest. But I have all these people. I collect all these stories, and we might group them together for a micumentary, which will be an episode all about Harold Ballard, where we'll have excerpts from different guests through the years sharing their memories and stories of Harold Ballard. And uh, the next uh, name or acronym we have is, what is TOAST? TOAST is, okay, originally TOAST was Pandemic Fridays. So when the pandemic struck... On uh, what you know, what day? But anyway, I, I remember Friday mid, the thirteenth. Right, Friday the thirteenth was the last day of school, and we we really caught us us people like me who wanted all our guests in person. It was kind of a like it's like okay, what now? Like because I wasn't doing remotes at the time. Mm-hmm. 
What now? And then uh, Cam Gordon and Stu Stone were a couple of guests that uh, I had good chemistry with. Uh, good chemistry, lots of guests, but we had a, a good rapport. And we were like just chatting via Twitter DM or something. Like, what do we do? Like, the people like are scared. Everything was really scary in March 2020. And we said, well, let's record something for the FOTMs every Friday. We'll have like a theme and we'll just record two to three hours or something. And, and then uh, we'll call it Pandemic Fridays. Okay. And we said, we'll do this for every Friday through the pandemic. Well, <laughs> little did you know. After 76 weeks, and we never missed a week, I recorded every, it turned into Thursdays, but every week we recorded Pandemic Fridays for 76 weeks. We had a farewell for Pandemic Fridays on the patio of Great Lakes Brewery in August 2021 in front of like, I think, 80 to 100 FOTMs who Mm -hmm. came out. It was really a magical, wonderful night. And we said goodbye to Pandemic Fridays because I just simply couldn't keep up. Like every week, this, all this content, I hated the name Pandemic Fridays because I was so sick of the pandemic. Yeah. Anyway, it morphed. After a few months of nothing, we decided let's bring it back as a less frequent thing called Toast. In fact, there's a Toast mascot that one of the FOTMs, Moose Grumpy, delivered. And we record the third Thursday of every month. That's the next Thursday, by the way. uh, Stu and Cam visit. And we record episodes of Toast, which is basically the new iteration of Pandemic Fridays. Another big one in your world is kicking out the jams. What is that all about? Okay, so you have a guest on, right? Let's say, uh, let's pick on Wilner again, since I don't know why he's top of mind. He was just in the backyard, I guess. So Mike Wilner, who we're both fans of, and he's going to be on Toronto Legends like next week. That's correct. We're going to talk about Toronto Legends before we wrap here. But (laughs) Mike Wilner will come on and we'll talk about everything. You know, the whole like, you know, the whole CETO thing when he got his two-week suspension. We'll talk about his years on uh, the Fan 590. We'll talk about uh, doing play-by-play. We'll cover his career like a to z and then you you realize you want to have him back but like what are you gonna have him back for i do have him back to set up the next season of the blue jays so he's on like once a year but like i'm on a bike ride after reading it i read a tweet from mike wilner where he said he loved pearl jams 10 okay so i'm on a bike ride because i bike every day because that's where i do all my thinking and i think to myself oh, I'm surprised Wilner likes 10 because I like 10 and I thought Wilner was more of like a cheesy 80s guy. This is my perception of Mike Wilner. So I thought, oh, I would be interested to know what his favorite songs of all time are. And then I'm on this bike ride. I'm like, I would like to know everyone's favorite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, what, what if I invited guests to return and they sit, remember, pre, no pandemic was going on. Yep. They sit where you're sitting right now and I play the song they love and then I bring it down after like a minute of that song. And we just hear them tell us, why do you love that Bruce Springsteen song? Or mm-hmm. what is it you love about, you know, John Lennon's Imagine? Whatever it may be. Your jams are your jams. And I, I think uh, Wilner was one of the first. Maybe Hebsey was the first. But long story short is, I decided that I will have this uh, version of Toronto Mike where guests kick out the jams. And we do a little catch up. We play their 10 favorite songs of all time and we hear why they love that song. And I love these episodes. It's nice. It builds that bond. I love it. I just love hearing why you love that song. Even if it's a genre I don't care about, like, oh, that crappy new country song. When you tell me why you love it, I enjoy it. Let's get uh, into the, the 600 independent unique guests you had. Have you found it easier to book guests directly or via their management slash handlers? Oh, I hate the management slash handlers. So I would say 99% of my guests are directly booked. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't go through 
I don't. I didn't. I don't go through. You know, if I want Jeff Merrick on, I I ask Merrick. If he needs to ask uh, Rogers uh, PR, that's his department. But mm-hmm. I ask Merrick. Once in a while, there's a guest. I had it recently with Ivan from uh, Men Without Hats, and there's been a few examples where it is booked through like a PR person or yeah. management or something. But you know, I just I just booked Dave Thomas from SCTV, mm. and I booked that directly with Dave Thomas. Like I didn't go through some crappy layer, unnecessary layer of PR. They give they they make my life difficult. These these PR people. So I like to book directly with the guest. And how how much does it hurt or help that you are not what we call mainstream media? I think it helps because like if you're a Rogers person, you can't do a bell thing mm-hmm. and you can't do a chorus thing. True. Maybe you can get maybe they'll let you do a CBC thing cuz that's a little different maybe, but typically you got to you know, I feel like because I'm completely 100% independent, I can have on that bell media person and that chorus person and that Rogers person and that CBC person and that independent person and I I don't there's no reason why these people can't just come on. Now periodically PR will stop it for some silly reason or another but mm. more often than not i just book you know i i ask james duffy do you want to come on and james duffy says yes i would like to come on well it seems like uh, that's the most effective way to do it ask and you'll find out yeah and if they can't do it they'll either ignore you or they'll politely decline in the uh the empire that is yours there's three legs of this stool so we talked about your blog we talked about the toronto mike podcast the third leg is tmds toronto mike digital services how many podcasts do you host because you have basically a whole network now i don't know the exact number but uh i do work with people like you so uh and just corporate clients as well so and and i mentioned humble and fred earlier so uh a couple of the bigger names people know would be uh you know humble and fred i produce uh, who else? Hebsy Man. Mm-hmm. Hebsy on sports. I co-host that, and that's been going for years. He was the first TMDS client who wasn't, you know, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, we do that every Friday morning, and that's that's a great fun. So there's Hebsy on sports. You know, Peter Gross was just here. He's got a podcast called Down the Stretch that I produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's there's actually quite a bit. Dana Levinson's got a podcast. There's a you know, Chef Jordan Wagman and Dr. Mike Hart. And there's uh, Diane Sachs has her uh, Green Economy Heroes podcast that I produce. And there's some corporate ones I mentioned. But there's also a podcast I'm producing now that I I quite enjoy because it's right up my alley called Toronto Legends. Yes. Hosted by some guy named, some guy, again, like myself, who was a nobody in his basement. This Andrew Applebaum, he's a nobody, right? I I came to you and, and just like Bill Murray's character in Mad Dog and Glory, you said, these are your exact words. Be my friend, and I will be the expediter of your dreams. Oh, yes. I do remember saying that. Uh, sounds like me. Let's talk about the difference between an audio podcast and a video podcast. Is there a current mix, or where's the market heading on those, or are they two completely independent <laughs> well, products? If you had asked me a couple years ago, it would have been a bit, little bit different answer, but I have evolved. But I will just remind everyone that uh, a true podcast, by like definition, is audio only. It's sort of like how sometimes people are like, oh, can I hear the podcast live? And I have to be pedantic and say, you know, by definition, a podcast cannot be live because it is a uh, hosted file that has already been produced. So, you know, it's the wonderful thing about podcasting is it's like an open source schema, right? It's Mm -hmm. an XML file that points to like an image and a description and and it points to an audio file. And then places like Apple and Spotify, and Google, and I won't name them all. I use one called Podcast Addict. They basically index your XML file, and then they uh, they s- sort of 
uh, when there's a delta, like when there's a change to that file, they read the changes and then serve that up to all subscribers. Yes. And it's very amazing. It's just wonderful. Like, that's why whenever you hear, like, oh, Joe Rogan's only on Spotify, well, theoretically, technically, pedantically, and this is my own, I got to get out of my own way here, uh, that's no longer a podcast. That's now an audio show that people can hear on one proprietary platform. Like, you know, a true podcast, any podcatcher can index and serve up to their uh, to their users. But so audio only and never live. That's a podcast. People like to like compliment the podcast now with uh, videos. Like maybe they want to get a video. I know Dr. Mike Hart does this. Dana Levinson does this. So I have clients who want the video show. So we record mm-hmm. the video. I edit that as well. And then it might go on their YouTube channel or their Facebook channel. But for me... I live stream for shits and giggles. We're doing it right now. Mm-hmm. But this, oh yeah, this is not my show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's number three. We're tracking the number of times. Wow. But I, Okay, but, so for my show, it's, I really, it, I consider it an audio presentation via podcast aggregators. But let's build on that point about what a, a podcast <laughs> is. Why is a podcast not like Netflix or even free TV? If I want to watch Better Call Saul, I must watch it on Netflix or AMC via subscription. And even for free TV, if I want to watch Undercover Boss, it must be CBS. How come other than Joe Rogan's show, I can get a podcast anywhere? Isn't that the best thing about podcasting though? What, what's going on? Like, is that going to change or why is it different than the well, way we access other mediums? It all comes back to the fact that XML is an open source schema, right? This is, a, uh, this is the language of the podcast. Okay. And uh, I think that's the great, the great equalizer. Like, I kind of love the fight. Like, if Spotify wants to deplatform me, which is their right, of course, it's somewhere in the small print. They can deplatform you for any reason, mm-hmm. which means remove you from the page or whatever. Like, they can't, they still, so long as my audio files are hosted, then okay, I was like, now you have to get Toronto Mike on, uh, you know, on torontomike.com, or yet you can only get it on uh, Podcast Addict and Apple, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I like the idea. Like, if you, if you belonged to a place like Spotify, they'd have to do what they did for Rogan, which is cut you a fat check yeah. for this exclusive. And right now, none of these podcast aggregators are cutting any checks for people like you and I. Podcasting is at a crazy point today. Everyone and their grandmother, and even I, Andrew Applebaum, <laughs> has his own podcast. You do a great job. I know I know, it's not my show, but I'll just say, I think what you do that a lot of podcasters don't do, and what I appreciate is I you do your homework. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can be, uh, right now, we're live to tape for exactly 34 minutes, and a, 34 and a half minutes so far. Zero edits required. It's because you're prepared. You're completely on the ball and you know where you want to go next. Well, I'm inspired by you because that's your <laughs> mantra. Always be prepared. Do your homework. There are literally zero, zero barriers to entry to entering podcasting. So we've obviously got too many. When will we enter a period of variety versus duplication? When we'll start to rationalize some of these podcasts? I think, you know, in life we talk about the 80-20 rule. 20% of podcasts will eventually drive 80% of the audience and hence the profits. Are we moving into a paring down or where are we? Okay, so there might be, I'll make up a nice round number, there might be a million podcasts, but with significant listenership, I don't know what the real number would be, but you're looking at it. I I actually, and I can't speak specifically because I was told this not to repeat this, but I had a call with a big podcast platform uh, this morning. Okay. Like a phone call. And and then we were discreetly and, you know, off the record talking about some numbers. And uh, let's just say, uh, like, you'd be surprised how little traction there is with, with independent podcasts in this country. And I think it's because 
it's so incredibly difficult to cut through the noise because you now have these big conglomerates like, I don't know, Rogers and Bell and CBC and, and Chorus. And, and these guys are all in the game now. And so you're basically, if, you know, Hebsey on sports has to go toe-to-toe with 32 Thoughts with, uh, who's that? Friedman, Friedman and, and Merrick. Merrick, right? Me- meanwhile, 32 Thoughts is literally advertised on Hockey Night in Canada when the Leafs play the mm-hmm. Habs on a Saturday night. Like, that's why when I get, like, uh, I'm so lucky that I get a little coverage, and it took 10 years to get it, but <laughs> Toronto Star and CBC, like, this kind of coverage, there's no podcast getting this kind of coverage. Yep. It's so tough to cut through the noise. I'm just going to say hello to Moose Grumpy, who's watching on the live stream. Hi, well. Moose. Hello, Moose. She says, another usual suspect here, too. So, hello. But is your wife listening? That's what uh, I, I hope she is. Uh, it'll do you increase, want to do this again? It'll increase my listener count <laughs> to, to two. Mike, I want to ask, who are your white whales? And I, I divide this into two types. There's potentially realizable and highly unlikely. So, oh. like, like, let's get real. Barack Obama may be someone you want to love to speak to, but it, it's not going to happen. Whereas Roberta Alomar is, is potentially realizable. Give me a few of your white whales, potentially realizable, highly unlikely. Okay, I don't even spend any time about the highly with the highly unlikelies. I think uh, I don't even waste time here. But I will speak to the attainables, which is that, and, and some of these names. I, I, at a time, I wanted them, and then their reaction to that soured me to a point where mm. I actually have like no interest in them anymore. One guy I will call out is Bob McCowan. You ever heard of this guy? The Bobcat. Yeah. So there was a time. In fact, I remember specifically. It was I was approaching episode five hundred. And I thought, let's go big on 500. Let's get Bobcat on the show because I've had so many people from the Fan 590 uh, on this program. Uh, not this program, my program. Pardon me. Yes. Okay. I got to remember where I am. But long story short is uh, his reaction to that was so, like, soured me to a point where I lost complete interest in uh, Bob McCowan being on Toronto Mike. Mm-hmm. And he never got another ask. Mm-hmm. I don't, people every once in a while are like, hey, he just did this. Why didn't you ask him now? Because he does Humble and Fred, which I produce, and he did Down the Stretch of Peter Gross. It's like, I, do, I have no interest in talking to somebody who doesn't want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when you lose me 100%. Yep. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy. Another guy who, who's been more polite with his declining, but he's a kind of a guy that comes up a lot on this show, is uh, John Derringer. Yep. So, I mean, I've had his brother on, but I would like John on uh, Toronto Mike, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to, again, he knows I want him on. Yep. He politely declined. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you're, him. You're not going to beg. And I think he that's can a... ask me if when he's ready, he can let me know. I agree. So there's a few guys like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of my list. It's Anyone a... else you'd like to get on? I... Uh, these are good questions. I, uh, <laughs> I want the guy and I'm working on it. But for some reason, it's funny because you'd think I'm about to say like, uh, you know, Burton Cummings or something. But yeah. I, I'd like Gordon Lightfoot. I would like the guy from the Gandarvas. You, this is a highly attainable guest, but he's a, what is he? A, some, some type of scientist working out West. Okay. And he's really busy, but I want the guy from the Gandarvas. Do you remember the Gandarvas? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I don't even so know what every, you're talking about. The first day of spring, which is a day in the calendar, but it's also a song by the Gandarvas. So every okay. year around this time, I play Gandarvas, and I remember how much I like the Gandarvas. And I always think, what's going on with the Gandarvas? And... I've decided I got to get the, the the lead singer and founder of the Gandarvas, who's now a scientist. I got to get him on uh, Toronto Mike. Okay. Well, that's a good example of someone who is re- realizable. It's on your list. Right. Now, Mike, you touched on something. Overall, after interviewing someone you admired, were you left satisfied or did you wish you had never actually interacted them oh. in, in person? These are good questions, Andrew. I, 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 I want to know. 
Um, there's definitely been guests I've been kind of excited about, and then I was left like uh, feeling blah. meh, like yeah, blah, like okay, that was all. That wasn't as great as I hoped it would be. But then, then again, there's some guests where they're like as advertised in this, like that was awesome. Like they completely get the jam. I've noticed that when a guest is familiar, now this happens quite a bit, thankfully. But when a guest is familiar of Toronto Mike, then they get the 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 vibe of the show. Mm-hmm. They're much better guests. Like it's a night and day. And then once in a while, you'll get a guest who will be very honest. I've never heard the show, and they're like, they're not sure what they're in for. Mm-hmm. And then there's always that whole like uh, awkward moment where they realize this isn't the five to seven minutes on uh, <laughs> Kiss ninety two point five or whatever. Yeah, or, well, you, you get them to open up, and then and then I guess you find the ones that are willing to talk and the ones who aren't that interested. Correct. And I think the trick to getting people to open up is time. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't, you can't do it in five to 10 minutes. You literally need them to sit down, relax. And then you start a little lighter. And then by the 45, 50 minute mark, they'll tell you everything. So you're busy producing all these podcasts. You're doing your own. Your output is, is, is crazy. The amount you put out. Do you have time to listen to podcasts and who do you enjoy listening to? Well, so biking is my big time so other than uh so most almost every show i produce i actually hear live yes and then edit and stuff but the humble and fred show is a show they record without me every morning although i pop on on thursdays but they they started when i'm still getting the kids to school and stuff like i just simply can't be on that show so i i always make a point to listen to them for work from home but in terms of personal like what i want to listen to not that i wouldn't listen to them anyways but let me just look at my, uh, really quickly at my player here. Stand mm-hmm. by. Uh, okay, so I'm in Podcast Addict. And okay, so I have a bunch of stuff here. One that I got to shout out, uh, VP of Sales, because he's got me subscribed to Cocaine and Rhinestones, oh. which is all about country music in okay. the 20th century. And, and I have been enjoying that. Um, but I'm looking here. Uh, so I see Gilbert Godfrey's beautiful face right there because I enjoyed the amazing Colossal podcast. Mm-hmm. I see uh, Hit Parade, which is by Slate, and I thoroughly enjoy that because it's about uh, it's a pop like a music podcast about the hits and really good podcast. I urge you to check that out. Uh, I do I do cherry pick topics from uh, FOTM Alan Cross on mm-hmm. uh, ongoing history of new music. I was a bigger fan in the past, but Revisionist History is a Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, and it was like I liked it more. It seems to have declined a little in quality to be okay. quite frank that but, happens uh, yeah talking simpsons is a show i've been listening to for years about these diehard simpsons fans basically they dissect episodes of the simpsons and it's right up my alley because i love getting in the weeds and i love the simpsons like, well, that's a good one for that then there's one here i'm trying to see here uh there's a pop culture one called 30 2010 that uh they go back 30 and 20 10 years ago to find out, like, to talk about what was big in TV and movies and music at the time. And it's a good nostalgia podcast to kind of look back and kind of remember different things. I enjoy that one. Uh, I do subscribe here. I'm looking at the uh, Under the Influence. Yep, Terry O'Reilly. Right. So uh, I do subscribe to Toronto Legends. Uh, That's a good move. You should check that out. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, so these all, so the way I work is I... um, in this app, I cherry pick the apps from these shows I subscribed. And there's a lot more than I mentioned, but then it literally kind of stitches together. And then I just play through during bike rides. So I try to get out there for like 90 minutes a day and I just kind of string them together and go, here's decoder ring is one I from slate that I cherry pick episodes on. Mm -hmm. And I do like to listen to FOTM's episodes. I do like Canadian stuff. So I'm looking here. I have Columbia house party, which I don't think is active anymore because the host got a job doing mornings at uh, the fan Five Ninety. 
His name's Blake Murphy. He's been over here. He's an FOTM. But I like shows that are produced in my city. Mm -hmm. I I don't want just Americans. I have Smartless here because I want to hear Eddie Vedder when he's on Smartless. But then I'm always left disappointed and wishing Eddie Vedder would just do Toronto Mike already, and let's do this properly. Well, so we're going to put him at the top of that list of the <laughs> okay. potentially realizable. Yeah, give me Eddie Vedder. That's, I'd like to speak of Eddie. Now, speaking, you, you, you have spoken about your enjoyment of biking. You presumably have a non-podcast life. Mike, what do you like to do when you're not podcasting and not biking? Okay. Oh, not biking. Mm-hmm. Away. So, I, mean, I am very busy fathering. Okay. I just need to throw that out there because... Um, my kids range from 20 years to six. Okay. There's a lot going on there. So there's a lot of father, like family stuff going on there. Uh, if I'm not biking or podcasting, I love sports. So I would, I watched Vladdy hit three home runs last night. Amazing. I was at the Leaf game. It was, we, we shit the bed, but uh, mm. I, was, I told my wife, I said, you know, I said, babe, Austin's at 58. I said, there's a chance we can see 60. No Toronto hockey fan has ever seen a Leaf score nope. 60 goals. He did not score any goals, but I, I enjoy my uh, Raptors. I mm-hmm. enjoy, uh, you know, events outside of the, you know, the big home teams. I'll watch, you know, sporting events. So, And so on, on that note, there, the, the Toronto things that you like to do or eat, and I know from your neighborhood, maybe some local favorites. What do you like to do? Okay, so we're in New Toronto. Okay, New Toronto. Which is right beside Mimico. Mimico okay. gets all the press. But yes. This is not Mimico. I didn't know. Did you think you were in Mimico, Andrew? I, I honestly did. I know you did. And it pisses me off every time. People are like, oh, Mimico, I love it. This is not Mimico. This is New Toronto. It's, it's between Long Branch and Mimico is okay. New Toronto. I just will shout out really quickly, uh, although some of these, this one isn't Mimico actually, but <laughs> San Remo Bakery. <laughs> San Remo Bakery is like an institution in this hood. And on a nice spring or summer day, we'll walk. It's like a, about 5K. We'll walk to San Remo and get like a nice big, like a, I don't know, a donut and a coffee and sit there and... That's pretty awesome. And, and may I point out, San Remo Bakery provided the hamburger bun that Chef Ted Reeder used to grill up a 500-pound hamburger uh, a few years back. So, Chef Ted Reeder was great on your show. If people haven't figured out, uh, because this is your show, but I'm going to distribute this, I think, to Toronto Mike listeners. So if you're listening to this on the Toronto Mike feed, subscribe to Toronto Legends with Andrew Applebaum. Absolutely. And there is a, if you go to like torontomike.com at the top, there's something, I think it says TMDS podcast or something. You can find links to subscribe in the podcatcher of your choice. Excellent. And Ted Reader's in there too. And a lot of other interesting Toronto guests as well. Mike, I want to know an interesting interaction you have had with someone famous. Now, this is this is the lifetime category, so okay. not just for your podcasting career, right. but over your Maybe entire Maybe you should being. exclude the podcast, because then I'll just say I met Chuck yeah. D. No, oh, <laughs> that is true. Let's exclude your podcast. Okay. What is the most interesting interaction you have had with someone famous? Okay, outside of the podcast, yes. there's been very little, actually, but I'm going to think I really enjoyed my interaction with Joey Jeremiah in 1989, because I was working a game booth at the CNE, and Joey and some friend is Pat Pat Mastroani is his real name, but I'm going to call him Joey oh. Jeremiah if I may. He's yes. an FOTM now, but he was there with buddies at my game. It was called Papa Ball. It's long gone now, but I gave him a free game, and he seemed very appreciative. And I told him I was a big fan because I love Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High. Yes. And uh, that was a big deal to me. And it, that same summer, Todd Stottlemyre and his wife or girlfriend, I think it was his wife, were walking the CNE after a game. And I was uh, 
and that was they were at the dome already so i guess it's not quite next door but close enough but they were uh it was very exciting that i uh asked him for an autograph and he signed the autograph todd stottlemyre uh, what a what a different minor thing like giving you the autograph versus hey buzz off i mean and yeah, you still remember it today it. yeah and and because i worked the x that's where the hockey hall of fame used to be and yes. I would, so during breaks i would learn like who was signing autographs at the hall of fame so i distinctly remember how excited i was when eddie Olchek was signing autographs and yes. i made sure to get in line and get that and uh todd gill is yes. another one another leaf legend who signed and mark osborne mm-hmm. and the this was like Again, now I've met Chuck D, so everything's tainted now. But man, meeting like a Mark Osborne in like 1989 was a big deal to me. That was exciting. No, it, it looked. Oh, one more! I got to tell me one more. I almost forget. I always forget this one because it's not really my genre. But this one's for my wife. I once played softball with Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys. Whoa! Nothing to do with the podcast. Nothing to do with the blog. This was just because a buddy of mine invited me to play and didn't tell me that. Another friend of his was going to be there named Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys. Were you and Nick able to turn to? <laughs> he sucked. I do distinctly remember a pop-up. And he might have been drinking, actually. But not that I, you know, it was a pop-up. And I was a, you know, I used to play slow pitch. Uh, I was quite the slow pitch player for many years. But this was a routine pop-up that he flubbed. And I remember thinking, like, who flubs a pop-up? S- stick to your day job. <laughs> yeah, he was not very good. Now, one of your uh, well-documented favorite guests has been the aforementioned Chuck D. Mike, I want to talk to you about how you arranged that, and then how did you handle, I'm guessing there was a contentious kind of, his contentious relationship with Flavor Flav. I'm sure knowing you, you probably wanted to ask about it, and how did you handle that whole thing? What's the Chuck D story? So, firstly, to give it a little preface, is that he was here as Public Enemy Radio, so he was in town with Public Enemy Radio. Now, the distinction is Public Enemy Radio is Public Enemy without Flavor Flav. Okay. okay. Uh, there was, I believe there was a border issue with Flav, as I recall, that Flav could not come because he couldn't cross the border. Uh, so that therefore it was Public Enemy Radio at the CNE Bandshell. I tweeted at Chuck D because I follow Chuck D on Twitter. And I knew Chuck was his own tweeter. Like, some celebrities have, like, agencies. Oh, yeah, handlers. Handlers that do the tweeting for them. But I could tell. I could sniff it out. Chuck was doing his own tweeting. So I literally tweeted at him, hey, Chuck. Uh, I think I said something like, uh, I got to find out what this tweet was. But uh, I, maybe I even maybe he followed me and I slid into his DMs and said, I host a popular podcast in Toronto. And when you're in town, I would love to sit down with you. Mm-hmm. And the plan was, of course, an hour with Chuck here. <laughs> that was my plan. But... Chuck said, okay, I'll do it, which was amazing that he would do it. And then it, then a handler got involved and told Uh-oh. me, Chuck's not coming over for an hour, okay? <laughs> and I was like, nicely, but I'm like, oh, and remember, I only did things here at this time. Yes. It was only 2019, but I still only did things here. Anyway, I, uh, I said, oh, well, uh, uh, how long can I get with Chuck D? And I think she said, I'm pretty sure she said, 20 minutes max, you have to do it at the band shell. So okay. I threw my studio, all this shit, the board, everything, in a in a trailer that I biked to the CNE band shell, and I set up behind in behind in the in a room behind the CNE band shell. I set yeah. up, and eventually, after we watched Mishy Me do a set, Chuck D sat down. Now the handler was there, and the handler just before I press record went to me and said, "No questions about <laughs> flavor, flavor." Like this is literally one minute before I press record. <laughs> And that was like literally my first question. So A, (laughs) I had only 20 minutes. And B, I was told not to talk about the thing I wanted to talk about the most. So 
And I was nervous. Sure. Because I didn't want to fuck it up with Chuck D. I only sure. had 20 minutes. I wasn't going to get a redo or whatever. So what a moment. Uh, you know, I got him talking about like uh, DJ Ron Nelson, who brought the first hip hop shows to Toronto and is an FOTM. Okay. And his show, Fantastic Voyage on CKLN. And I knew because I went to a public enemy show at the Sound Academy and I know Maestro Fresh West and Mishy Me are friends of his because they were called on stage to do some some rhymes. And I both were FOTM, so I was friendly with both of them. And I just seen Mishy Me actually with Chuck D. We stood together. We didn't really chat, but watching Mishy Me together. So I kind of did a whole bunch of local stuff. I got them to say the word Sudbury because they played an Ontario tour in like late 80s. And I was at some point, without me asking him about Flavor Flav, I somehow there was an opening for it to get introduced and he came out with it all and said that Flav had to get his shit together uh-huh. if, if, to get Public Enemy back in Canada. And we, it, was, it, it was a great 20... At the end of the 20 minutes, we were talking Raptors because they were the NBA champs and he loved the Raptors and he loves his hoops. And we could have done an hour and then the, the handler woman looked at me and gave me like the wrap-up sign yeah. at the 20-minute mark and I was just hitting my stride with Chuck... And I had to wrap it up. Well, that's great. You got him to open up and you got him to bring up the things that you wanted to hear about. Yeah, it's the best 20 minutes I could have designed. So I was proud of that whole. That's experience. excellent. What What are your plans, Mike, for the remainder of 2022 and beyond? What is Toronto Mike working on? I'm working on some exciting things. Uh, these are all, again, uh, ideas either via bike ride or via DMs with people like Tyler Campbell and Mark Wiseblood from 1236 and stuff. But here's the big thing. And, and I had a great phone call with Ed Conroy from Retro Ontario, and it got me thinking on this line. But did you know, Andrew Applebaum, that the uh, great city TV empire is turning 50 years old? No. So I'm working on the Mikeumentary to end all Mikeumentaries. Oh, boy. It is going to be a behemoth. And it's going to be all about the history of city TV oh, everywhere. Awesome. awesome. And what's, what's the timeline for that if there is one? Uh, yeah, this one's a big one. And it's going to drop to coincide with the 50th birthday, which I believe might be something like September 2022. So Fantastic. this thing's, yeah. But in the other things coming on too, like, um, I don't know, I just, just to this morning was the Dave Thomas thing. So, mm-hmm. now, so I just, you know, I try to keep my calendar full, but I don't like the book too far out because things fall from the sky and stuff. And I try to do about, I don't know, three or four episodes a week, even though that's too much, to be quite honest. I should rein that in a bit. But uh, that's the big Mikeumentary plan. There's a, a, a TMLX9 in a public park. We're going to have uh, park beers on Friday the 13th, which is May 13th, 2022, we're all collecting at Marie Curtis Park. So a bunch of FOTMs or TMLX9 because that will line up the 10th anniversary of Toronto Mike. T- mm. TMLX10. See the symmetry there? That's amazing. On the patio of Great Lakes Brewery. And it's going to probably be in late August or early September 2022. Fantastic. And I am going to ask you to go ahead and shout out to your sponsors. And then you can you can brag that you extended their reach for free to approximately three additional listeners. Well, Vicky's listening. That's yeah. uh, Vicky. This is for you. OK, I know you're a North York guy. Uh, yeah, I grew up uh, in Pleasant View, Van Horn, Vic Park. So uh, if you make your way west, Paul Maposta, they're in uh, Mississauga and Oakville. So they've been great partners of this program for a very long time. So shout out to Paul Maposta and the Petrucci family. 
I mentioned Great Lakes Brewery. They were first sponsor and they're still on board many years later. Fantastic. Every, you know, it's just fantastic to have the beer here and to, to enjoy their, uh, we have our events on their patio. So Great Lakes, uh, Ridley Funeral Home. And you mentioned, you know, other podcasts I produce. I produce a podcast for a funeral director named uh, Brad Jones. Mm-hmm. He's with Ridley Funeral Home. He was here last night recording an episode. And I, I love producing that show, but he also sponsors Toronto Mike's. So Ridley Funeral Home. And every time somebody passes away, we can shout out Ridley Funeral Home. It's quite something. So, uh, StickerU.com, I men- mentioned them earlier, but uh, they've been on board for years now as well. Love working with the good people at StickerU.com. And a relatively new sponsor, I'm just pointing to all that cannabis behind you, Andrew, but mm-hmm. uh, Canna Cabana. Did you know cannabis is now legal in this country? So I've heard. Over 100 locations across the country too. So uh, go to CannaCabana.com and uh, support the Toronto Mike sponsors. Fantastic. Well, Mike, it was awesome talking to you, putting you on the other side of the mic. Where can we best follow you and know what you are up to? Okay, the the portal for all things Toronto Mike is torontomike.com. So if you remember nothing else, you can remember, go to torontomike.com. But if you're on Twitter, I'm uh, the only social media platform I enjoy. I'm on several, but the one I enjoy is Twitter. So follow me on Twitter. I'm okay. on there all day long. You're now on there too. Absolutely. What's your handle on Twitter? Yeah, Toronto uh, Legends Pod. T O Legends. I tagged Pod. you this morning because I said, "Hey, we're all here to join Toronto Legends." So I'm Toronto Mike on Twitter. So follow me there. And again, TorontoMike.com. And then go to any podcast uh, aggregator that you enjoy and search for Toronto Mike M I K E apostrophe D and subscribe and cherry pick an episode because in the middle of the Peter Gross episode earlier this week. A uh, audition broke out, and it all happened live on the floor during the recording. He booked this gig, and when it was all said and done, I decided not to edit a second out of it. So in real time, you hear it. He gets a text from his agent. Where are you? He's telling the agent he thought it was Wednesday, not Tuesday. Then he needs to zoom in. I zoom in on this laptop, so it's the audio feed still getting picked up. I put the camera on Peter. He auditions. That's wild to hear how that sausage is made. This is all frenetically happening on the spot. And uh, kept it all in there, and he got the gig. And you got to hear Peter Gross's return to Toronto Mike earlier this week. Well, with a thousand and thirty-three <laughs> episodes, you can everyone can find one they'll enjoy for sure. Last but certainly not least, if I may, with a very brief personal moment, Whoa. Mike, I want to thank you for being a supportive mentor. You've been an inspiration, and most importantly, a, a new friend. So here's to another thousand episodes of Toronto Mike, and if possible, another fifteen episodes of. Toronto Legends. Can I jump in with some sentimentality before you uh, do your... Uh, what is it? A Hawaiian? What, I, you'll have to explain to me. What, what is that last word you say on every episode? My, my closing is uh, mahalo, which means respect, peace. Is that Hawaiian? Uh, it is. And uh, it's a bit of a shout out to... I, I think Adam Carolla's got a good oh. show. And that's how he closes his show. But he, before, was one of, he was one of the early, early podcasts. He, he was one... Exactly. He was one of the early... Yeah. Adopters. Yeah, yeah. But uh, just before you do your mo- Mahalo thing, uh, I would just like to say that, yeah, I, I, because I'm producing this show, I could blow smoke up your butt and just tell you it's great. But straight up legit, you have these conversations of some Toronto people that I haven't talked to, and I sometimes think, I want this guy now. I want this gal now. You do a great job, and it's, it's a tight hour, and you do your homework. And I, I really do think, because you're uh, a well-spoken guy who's a naturally curious cat who does his homework, 
you should be podcasting. Like with me or somebody else, you should be podcasting. So I'm glad Toronto Legends exists. Well, I appreciate your support. You made it happen. Listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends podcast. And on behalf of Toronto Mike, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.